Welcome to episode 87 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, second technician, Fossil Forrester, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder, if everything's working, we have the wonderful, technically capable Mr. Christopher Jarvis. Good evening, everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> we also have the uh, Lave Station's chief bar steward, Mr. Grant Psycho-Cow Wilcott. I was thinking about leaving a really long pause just to make Chris click every button he's got. Good evening, everyone. Hello, hello. Yeah, to be honest, at this stage, all I've got left is to actually just go to Lave Radio and just listen to what's going out live and see what's happening. <laughs> That's the only tool left to me. And last but not least, filling in all of his health and safety reports on the current Barney Storm, we have the wonderful Ben Moss Woodward. And it does help if I remember to turn my microphone on, doesn't it? Oh, dear, dear, I, I, I dear, was going to say, Gra- Grant on. had already worn that joke out, so... Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just didn't turn my microphone on. Good evening. Good evening. How are we all? How is, is, I take it everybody's house is still standing? Nobody's yet to be sort of blown to the land of Oz, thanks to the wonderful Barney? It's a bit blowy. It is a bit blustery up here in Nottingham, I have to say. Jarvis, you're down in Hinkley. You're not too far away. I take it it's blowing a hoolie down there, is it? Oh, it's absolutely going crazy. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's going absolutely nuts here. I mean, even in my studio, which is, as you can imagine, there's a certain amount of sound treatment on the walls, uh, and it's a concrete roof and brick walls, I'm still hearing it sometimes sounding absolutely battering. So uh, it's quite a big one. Well, what have we got, Grant? Up in Scotland, give us a weather report from up there. Um, it's very Scottish, just <laughs> kind of wet, grey, and it's always windy up here. Which is the count of the diet. <laughs> <laughs> well, my little Jack Russell seems to be terrified of all the noise, so he's come and uh, decided he's going to take up camp underneath my legs for the entire episode, which is fine until I trip over him. So if you do hear him ridiculously high-pitched squeal, it's because I've just stepped on the dog. Uh, but moving swiftly on before anybody calls the RSPCA on me, let's talk about what people have been up to this week. Let's start with you, Mr. Woodward. Oh, I've had a kind of shite week, to be honest. My let's let's move you. Let's just park you then, if you're going to be grumpy. We're not going to start the show with some grumpy. Let's go for Jarvis. <laughs> Tell us something exciting and fun. <laughs> oh, I'm still, I'm still technically setting things up. Okay, um, what's exciting and fun? Do you know what? I've been I've been berating people on Facebook, um, not not for the obvious reasons this week, uh, but there's been lots of people complaining about. The kind of talking and planning about Christmas and they're saying it's November it's not Christmas and the thing I've just been pointing out is I don't understand we can have toys and adverts for a movie nine months in release of a film <laughs> which is essentially about spaceships and swords I mean I'm excited about it but it's about spaceships and swords and Christmas is in six weeks and people don't want to talk about it it's just insane do really? I just put that out there for you oh, folks six mm. weeks till Christmas <laughs> I don't know. I think people have a point. When you start seeing um, Christmas decorations going up in the shops before you actually see the Halloween decorations come down, I think there is a slight mismatch going on. Oh no! Don't get me wrong about that. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the guy, the guy who lives in the house opposite us, put up all his flashing musical Christmas decorations in his front garden on the first of November. Him! That is, that is too soon. That is too soon. But I think adverts and products in the shops from november onwards is, is kind of fair game you, you can't really still be complaining about it at this point 
He oh, should be strung up and burnt alive in his Christmas tree. That's what should happen. <laughs> that's key. In fairness, that is that is very keen. <laughs> um, what about everything else? And obviously, you've got the the patron stuff that's going through. You've got the Chaos Reborn stuff that's still coming through. How's that all going? Yeah, the the the, the Escape Velocity stuff has been absolutely fantastic. Um, people were obviously brilliant on that that stream day and actually since then i've seen a pretty pretty steady stream of people coming through uh, and pledging their support to escape velocity which is absolutely fantastic because the more we get the more we can do uh, and it's absolutely great um patreon have been experimenting with displaying different amounts which some people seem to be seeing and some people don't um basically they yeah seem i saw to be... this it seemed to it seemed to drop I thought, yeah, um, I thought it said something to uh, to annoy people, and everybody took their money and went home. Yeah, no, it's right. No, it's basically Patreon have been playing around with instead of displaying the gross total that people have pledged, displaying what I will actually receive after all the kind of mm. fees and transaction things charges have gone through. Um, and I'm sort of. Um, I'm in two minds about it because with something that's funded in this way, you know, with Patreon backers or Kickstarter backers or whatever it may be, I think transparency is really important, and and it would be a shame to pretend to anybody that there aren't there aren't fees involved. But actually, I think people coming and backing a project like to see that the amount they've pledged is going towards the totals, and really, it's down to me to kind of manage fees and expenses. I mean, that's my. Uh, you know as part of what i do working out my project and my budget i mean patreons aren't the only expenses i'm gonna have to deal with in terms of making escape velocity they're not displaying all of my different expenses coming (laughs) off the total so i don't really see why they would want to display theirs um so hopefully that will go back um yeah the big thing i've been doing this week is you know we're coming up on the last week of the chaos reborn uh, audio drama kickstarter um if people haven't seen that or backed that basically we're doing the same way we do with escape velocity where escape velocity is is a full cast uh audio serial based on elite dangerous um the chaos reborn audio adventures uh, we're basically doing the same thing with chaos reborn so um where you know the elite dangerous stuff is kind of futuristic and sci-fi and ships and stuff chaos reborn is magic and dragons and hellhounds and skeletons um all kind of battling each other uh, and it should be a really good kind of fantasy drama and the kickstarter is actually funded for episode one but I'm, I'm really trying to push it forward um because the series will be better the more episodes we can make um so if people if people want to back that if they like what we've done with escape velocity really hope you'll enjoy chaos reborn um and that's at tinyurl.com forward slash chaos audio and actually what i need from live radio listeners tonight in in, as an absolute kind of yes 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 please go and do that um we've got a thunderclap going which will go out on monday which is two days before the end of the kickstarter but we really want this thunderclap to go out uh, and if people haven't come across Thunderclap before, basically, you go to this particular website, I'll give you the URL in a moment, you give them your Twitter and Facebook kind of accounts, uh, and at the same time on that Monday, everybody will send out a Facebook status and a tweet with a message saying, go to the Chaos Reborn Audio Kickstarter and pledge. And because it's, you know, 100 people all at once sending out the same message, it has quite an impact across your social media streams. Um, And I'm really hopeful that an approach like this 
can push us to two episodes um, because if you come on board and back the kickstarter now um, that'll be good for you because you'll be getting more episodes and all the people who've already backed the kickstarter at you know sort of usb card level they will be getting all the episodes that we can we can fund through the kickstarter so really important to me that we keep pushing on with that kickstarter and try and get up to at least that first stretch goal uh, which is the five thousand pounds which will give us two um, two one-hour episodes which would be absolutely brilliant so the url for the thunderclap is um tinyurl.com forward slash chaos thunder and i should absolutely stress um thunderclap is absolutely free and all it does is send out a single tweet or facebook status from your account once and then from past experience i can say this they never bother you again so it really isn't gonna you know clog up your social media feeds with anything so to please go do go and do that Thank you. Grant, I haven't seen you much in game this week. What have you been up to? Oh, well, I've been in game. I've just, at the current minute, I am 3,900 light years away from Lave. <clears throat> I've been trying to do some explore- exploring. I thought I'd go and try out this run to Saji and promptly got about 6,000, 6, 6, light years on the way towards it before I really wished I hadn't started. Um, I, I, I admire explorers who clearly have lots of other things that they can do while they're playing this game um, and I decided I'd go and visit the Catpaw Nebula and do a turn so I'm on my way back now to sell all my data at uh, Hutton Orbital to help the Hutton Orbital Truckers Cooperative um, establish and get to Boom State and to expansion and then we're going to start taking over a neighbouring system somewhere, that's the plan so that's what I'm hoping, and I'm going to be there in time for Educating Ed when he joins us as a trucker and leads a convoy of us all on the 3rd of December out. But um, other than that, it's been real life all the way. My grand flat is approaching its final stages of the sale, so I had to spend <clears throat> a number of days emptying it, which was uh, hard going. <laughs> it's just it's been hard going all the way because I was doing that with a heavy, heavy cold over the weekend and lifting boxes is just not what you want to be doing. But hopefully that will all wrap up tomorrow and it'll be, you know, over and done with, which will be good. You mentioned, the, um, you mentioned about the, the Hudson Orbital um, system and trying to get that into Boom. That's obviously sort of going in depth in the background simulation. That seems to be... Well, quite a confusing topic for people at the moment. What exactly can people do to, to sort of get their systems into into a boom state? Right, well, I mean, there's a, there's a number of different ways, and, and a lot of this is all hypothesis and guesswork and based on some of the hard-working groups that are in-game that have been trying this for a while and taking notes as to what works. So whereas you would think what you do is boost your group till it's 100% dominant and then it'll take over the entire system. Not quite right. What you want to do is target particular areas in your system and... And, you know, boost your your influence to the same level or drop it to the same level as your rival faction. So, for example, you know, Hutton Orbital, obviously, Hutton Orbital was ours 100% and there was just no one really nearby. But Alden Prospect, you might find that the controlling group there was around about 27% influence. So what you want to kind of do is bring yourself to a sort of very similar level to trigger a civil war. And then you want to fight that particular faction. You might, as it will happen in Hutton Orbital, it's broken into a four-way battle uh, between lots of factions that all felt that they could get a foothold. And then you've got to beat the one that you want to beat. And in their defeat, you then take their best station. And, of course, in Hutton Orbital, there's only two. 
Once you've done that, you can then enforce that system, boost the ratings and do missions in either station until you get the influence levels nice and high again and you know, make sure that you are you're buying from the station as opposed to just selling to the station because if you sell to the station, you're taking money out of the station and therefore affecting the controlling faction in a negative direction. It does get complicated, but it's quite How interesting. How does this possibly make sense to anybody? Yeah, but it's, it's about those things. If You're not going to get a civil war between uh, an 80% controlling faction and a 10% faction, are you? So you want to really bring those influence levels to the point where both sides are in a, in a sort of very close flux. And I say, this is all hypothesis. It's all hypothesis. But then what you want to do is you want to boost your coppers. You want to boost your coffers even and get your factions, once you've got your stations in your own system, which we now do. We now own both. We want to get them booming and want to get them into an expansion state, at which point random systems within a 30 year 30 light year radius of alpha centauri will have hutton factions appearing there it's random there's no control over that the only way you can control that is by actively working for the ones that are in systems that you would like to be in and boosting those and keeping the other ones in check so there's an awful lot of work involved again what you're wanting to do is you're wanting to get that hutton faction in the new system that you want to win and you want to bring that into a nice level with one of the other factions there that has a station to trigger a civil war, win that civil war, steal their station, and on to the next one. Until you've okay, taken so. over the world! <laughs> so none <clears throat> of this has actually come from Frontier. I mean, is, has that been a decision from Frontier to keep their cards close to their chest, or is it just nobody's got round to writing a manual on this? I think it's one of these background simulation needs to have adaptability, it needs to change. If it becomes too predictable, then it's very hard for Frontier to protect systems without you know people shouting foul, I nearly had Earth, you buggers, you cheating buggers. So it needs to be it needs to be hidden. They can obviously you can spot patterns and you can make as long as common sense kind of rings true, we can accept that there'll be random situations and you know what we really want to see is we want to see a protected system. We want be getting too big for our boots and you start, you know, moving into let's say we move into Sol and we're now beginning to really target Earth do we honestly believe that the federal powers that be wouldn't swarm in in a massive convoy of battle cruisers to show these truckers that they can't move in there you would expect that. So that's some a tool that Frontier would have at their disposal because they can control that. They can send in. Maybe we'll get you know community war zones with six <laughs> capital ships in them, so you haven't <laughs> got a chance in hell. But that's the kind of thing you want to see. You want to see that kind of response, and that's uh, that's the kind of things we're looking forward to in the background. Some. Okay, Ben, come on then. Tell us about your uh, your happy shiny week that you've had. Well, I my happy shiny week that I had. I I have some good news, and that I I saw my kids, and that was all great, and I loved that. That was awesome. But the downside is, when I got back from seeing my kids, I turned on my PC, it booted up quite happily, and then it went, <laughs> and it's never come back since. Um, wow! I spent so power supply or components they- right on the motherboard or. Basically, my motherboard has got two RAM daughterboards on it, and the RAM daughterboards, I suspect, are what's gone. And it looks like it's going to cost me between seventy and a hundred dollars, hundred quid to replace them. And this is a computer that I've had basically since two thousand and six. It's right. 
served its time. You know, I've had a, I've had my computer since two thousand and six. I've upgraded it, obviously. I think it's time to say enough's enough. I'm not going to spend a hundred quid replacing some daughter boards to maybe get my RAM back when I could go and spend well a few hundred quid and get myself a much better PC. So actually, this is this is probably good news if you look at it. It's like the the computer is dead. Long live the computer! You're going to replace it with something, something better. Like, yeah. I'm going to replace it with something better. It's just a case of finances and everything like that at the moment that are a bit tight and will be tight for the foreseeable future. Okay, so what about asking uh, Father Christmas for one? Well, Father Christmas might might do something. Um, on the other hand, we do also have an absolutely fabulous community as well who all seem to be hoarders and things like that. So we do. I have to give a shout-out to Commanders Snuffler and El Masri and I can't remember Colt's commander name. Voidson, who are all hoarders and say they've got pieces of kit which they can probably let me have for basically little money. Excellent. Um, yeah, no, so, well, fair play. So what so you need to do there crossed. is you need to have a look and see what the specification is for the Oculus Rift or the ACC5, <laughs> and that's what you're aiming for. No, I am aiming for Frankenstein's monster, and if it runs the league, then I will be happy. <laughs> okay brilliant stuff well um i should have just said at the beginning of the show we are actually hanging out live in game we're actually in the beta uh and it's quite quiet outside life station in the beta we've obviously got uh, commander Elias thane uh, aka christopher jarvis and uh, we've got ben uh flying around in an imperial cutter i'm flying around an imperial cutter and apart from that i can't see anybody else i did see someone in an we just, we've got a commander woo yay who is <laughs> in an Asp Explorer. I think you pronounce that woo-yay! <laughs> uh, and I see Commander Windpipe is in a private group, apparently, so he's not in open. Okay, well, I say... If you oh, and Commander Dodd is here. If you want to come out and start uh, you know, flashing around some of these new ships so that we can get a look at them, uh, I say we've got the Imperial Cutter. If someone wants to bring a Corvette to the party, uh, a Viper Mark IV, uh, I think, Jarvis, you're flying... Is that a keelback you've got there? Yes, it is. Okay. So, yeah, if you want I'm to bring eating. some new ships... I'm eating pizza. <laughs> if you want to bring some ships and hang outside yes. the front of the low station... That Sorry, that, awesome. is the keel, that is the keelback. Um, I so hopefully we'll be joined by... Hopefully someone will bring an Asp Scout and the Viper Mark IV would be nice to see. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, Federal Corvettes, the Viper Mark IV. Yeah. The Imperial Cutter we've got, the AF Scout we've got, yep. uh, the Cobra's not coming just yet. Nope. So I think that's it. That's everything, is it? Okay. Uh, if we're missing any, then please someone jump into it and fly it outside so we can see it. Um, okay, let's jump straight into the development news. Seeing as Jarvis is eating, we'll go quickly through the development news whilst he finishes his pizza. Um, kicking us off, let's go for the dev update, uh, which was dated the twelfth uh, of November. Uh, this one is um, Michael Brooks talking about materials, raw materials that can be found on the surfaces of planets and moons and all about the various types of materials that's going to form into synthesis. Synthesis? Yeah. Excellent word. Thank you for that one. Um, so the types of materials that we can find on planets will vary depending on um, things like the geology of the, the planet, uh, what type of world it is and where it's situated within the solar system. Um, 
as well as sort of natural formations, uh, some materials can also be found, and in some cases they say unique to special sources such as meteorites. Uh, and interestingly, what did you guys make of this one? There are also more mysterious sources as well to be found. Are we thinking that we've got some Thargoid crash lights here, or some Thargoid eggs, or some other alien race anomalies on planets? I think if we go to one of the planets and we see that big U-shaped tower of a crashed ship, <laughs> we're off this. We're not even bothering. We've all learned, don't go in. Just <laughs> nuke it from orbit, save yourself a whole lot of hassle, <laughs> stuff the materials, they're not worth it. Uh, you say that, but um, the, so we think there will be some alien artefacts uh, kicking about on planets, and that will be quite cool. Um, there's 25 of these uh, new materials which have been added, and essentially they're tiny, so they're not going to take up any cargo space. We've, we've heard this in various streams and stuff, but just to, to reiterate and go back through it, um, it's basically it's going to be a prelude, they say, to a wider loot and crafting feature. Now, what's your opinion on having a wider loot and, and crafting feature? Because at what point does it get too complicated for dullards like myself when you've got all these various materials and you'd have four of those, three of those, and two rat pelts to make, you know, a plasma accelerator? Already. It's already too complicated for you, is it? <laughs> I'm saying it's already too complicated for you, Fozzer. No, ah, well, this is true. At the moment, it's not even in the game yet, and it's already, I can't get my head around it. I can just see you coming on in about, what, six, seven months' time after it's been in the game, and you're going, you know, I just can't seem to work it out. I keep binning all this crap, I keep picking up the planets, <laughs> total worthless rubbish, and we're all sitting there slapping our heads going, that's the good stuff! Um, I'm not sure. I mean, the, the whole crafting idea leaves me a little bit cold in this game. I mean, I love the idea of getting your wrench out and smacking your frameshift drive and trying to put some materials in it, but it doesn't really have much sense. You know, I, I can't see when we get out of cockpit, you sort of get out your cockpit, you're out your chair, you turn around and then you press a button and out comes this massive chemistry set and you start mixing all these bits and pieces together to get, I mean, I understand the likes of fuel enhancements and stuff like that. That makes sense to me. Something that can maybe thicken up the fuel and allow, allow you to have a much better return from that and travel distance or things to like your kind of nitrous boosts for your frame yeah. shift drives. I can understand that. These things make sense. Smearing some kind of muddy material over your hull in order to sort of increase its resistance, not quite in the same, <laughs> in the same sort of level of acceptance to me. So I mean I think I'm going to have to see how it implements and how it works, whether or not you have to go you know, do this in a station in order to put your... Uh, then it becomes very Eve, you know, you're submitting your yeah, blueprints and putting it into a process plant and then waiting for the end result and I'm not sure I'm comfortable with it yet. It does kind of interest me, but I'm not quite comfortable. Yeah, I agree. The whole sort of movement towards something that, you know, last time I saw this sort of thing was in EVE, you know, building up power plants and building up manufacturing places and making sure they all link together and then, you know, having to wait 48 hours for something to spit out the other end. It wasn't the most exciting part of EVE Online, I have to say. So um, what sort of things can we have? So there's um, six synthesis that can be applied, uh, three for the ship, and these include obviously resupplying ammo, ammunition, uh, and depending on what rocks you find to throw in your cannons, uh, they can obviously give you a boost to uh, to what sort of uh, ammo you have and what sort of damage it does. Uh, uh, restocking of the auto field maintenance um, feature, the, the module to repair your craft. And as you say, temporarily increasing the jump range for the frameshift drive. Um, 
And for the SRV, the benefits include fuel for the SRV, uh, a means of repairing the SRV, and ammunition for the plasma repeaters. So, obviously, high-quality materials can confer improvements. So, refilling ammunition using a high-quality mix of materials can increase the damage. So, we, we knew that. As I say, we'll, we'll have to wait for this feature. It's not something that gets me particularly excited. Um, I'm hoping that I can get loot that I can actually sell um, back up in space stations and things like that, which will be more interested in going around and using my wave scanner on the planets to try and track these things down. If it's just to get better ammo or you know, a slight jump to the frame shift drive and that sort of thing, it's not really going to be that exciting as far as I'm concerned. But we'll, you know. I don't know. I'm just thinking, think about that when you've got multi-crew uh, in, in your system and you're sitting there going, shit, we're running out of cannon ammo. Oh, crap. What have we got? Well, we've got all, that, all those rocks that we found down in the planet's surface. Yeah, load them in. Let's just fire that <laughs> stuff. Can you imagine just sort of flying there and a rock bounces off your cockpit and you're looking and going, what the hell are you guys thinking? Um, Isn't that think- essentially what a mass driver is, though, Grant? Um, yeah, it's just a piece of metal that you you fire, isn't it? So yeah, and it, it, it's 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 been used in quite a lot of uh, sci-fi, you know, just dropping rocks from orbit as opposed to actually putting nuclear warheads or anything on. So, so yeah, the use of rocks as, as as ammunition has come across in lots of sci-fi <laughs> stuff. So it's not it's not original to uh, Elite Dangerous in any way, shape, or form. But no, yeah. it just it, it sounds like fun, it sounds like fun. Uh, I mean, the, what they've clearly tried to do is they've tried to keep it in the realms of acceptability to not break the game concepts out by having you know chocolate spread that you smear to repair your hull um, and that kind of stuff. But so yeah, I think we just have to you know sit back and relax a little bit and, and know that these guys love the game as much as we do, and that they're not going to bring something as daft and that will really upset us all. Well, not on purpose anyway. <laughs> okay um the next part i have to admit i'm not at all okay with because i haven't used one at all since i started playing the game so uh shield cell banks and how they operate so they're changing this uh in the 1.5 beta hopefully obviously to implement it in the next update uh, so it comes in two parts the first part is increasing the heat cost so when you fire up one of these cell banks uh the increase in heat has the the possibility of actually causing damage to some of your modules uh, and if you fire two of them together in rapid succession, they can even actually damage your ship's hull. So uh, making these more of a defensive last resort rather than, you know, it's your go-to thing whenever you get into combat. Um, the second part of obviously the change is the fact that they're now putting a delay in for these power-ups as well. So these apply to a range of other modules as well, but at the moment they're, they're putting it for the, the shield bell, uh, cell banks. Now... Has anybody actually used one of these things? I'm not a pirate. I'm not a big uh, sort of PvP uh, fighter, so I've never used a, a shield cell bank. So I'm no. hoping one of you guys knows what, that, uh, what they're talking about, what the implications of this change is going to be in combat. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a pretty damn handy thing, because the rule of thumb is they're completely and utterly useless if you let your shield get taken out. But if your shield is still getting down to that inner ring, it's going red, you know it's about to go down, you fire up your shield, you hear your shield shield boost, um, shield cell, and you hear this wonderful powering up as if your shields are being systematically attached to a new battery, and you hear the charging noise, you see your heat indicator start to climb, and your shield starts to replenish right in front of you which is awesome so it's a way of if you're in combat and you use them as the pirates tend to do with great effect you're boosting out of trouble or as the pirates do tend to use that luring technique where one of them comes into a group of uh, of commanders 
gets themselves fired upon. You all make chase, and they spam those shields, shield cells constantly to keep their shields up, meaning you cannot damage them. They then head off in a direction. You follow them, and then the rest of the pirates come in and attack. It's a beautiful tactic when you see it working. It's awesome. It's frustrating as hell when you're trying to kill a pirate when they can seem to have this endless barrage of shield cells. So you're getting them down to almost that last ring, and it goes back up to full. And you're like, yeah, dirty swine. Pew, 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 back again. And they seem to have this endless supply of them. They're obviously very well versed in the use of them. I believe that they may have overcooked the the tweaks, the rebalancings, shall we call them. The rebalancings have maybe been overbalanced in the other direction where I heard of a ship running at a 1,100% <laughs> on heat. But equally, it's, you know, they, they did seem to be a rather unfair advantage. And the way I'll kind of quantify that is if you're a trader, you've got cargo space, you've got your defences are a kind of last-ditch thing. When you're a pirate... You've got no need for cargo if you're not interested in, in collecting cargo. If you just want to blow people up, you don't bother with cargo spaces. That That's room for more cells. So you fill your ship with every slot with shield cells. So suddenly you've got maybe eight or nine or ten in your ship. And you're, you know, you're, you're pretty safe to take out these poor traders who maybe have room to fit one if they wanted. And that's the sort of um, the way that you kit out your ship if you're going for that particular combat role. And it's great in combat zones. But now, now it's not so great. Now that if you've got more than sort of three or four, you're going to find it to be a challenge to use. They'll find a way. They'll find a way of making it efficient for them. Them, but it's maybe just a little bit overcooked at the moment. But that's that's what betas are for. Well, we know that that's what betas are for because Sandy's been entering in quite a lot in various discussions with people with the shield cell banks, and I think we've had two betas already. And actually, no, we're in beta three now, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And we, I think, there's been shield cell bank tweaks to all of that just as he tries to balance it in. Uh, I know that oh, Commander Genar-Hofoen is really interested in that discussion. It's As you said, Grant, it's just a balancing act. I definitely think, though, that something needed to get done, because, frankly, in-game, in-world PVC, in-world in PVC, in-world PVP, you've got boring. You know, it's literally, it's a war of attrition between shield cell banks, and that's that's well, not fun. We did that whole uh, Code versus Hutton truckers battle, and we all turned up, and you would get one pirate, you'd have six truckers shooting at that pirate, and he'd be able to escape just by yeah. spamming shield cells, and it just doesn't make sense. You just couldn't break that shield cycle. It was next to impossible, and it became frustrating, because, you know, you're thinking, oh, come on, guys, we're, we're fighting to the death here, you know, just come on, just yeah, die. Even if- even if, let's say, you're in a war zone and there's two of you going effectively for a duel, then instead of, a, instead of say, having a duel in oh close-quarters combat where there aren't any of these shield cell banks, you're having these epically long duels that were, frankly, boring as heck. Because it's like pew-pew-pew, as you said, it's pew-pew-pew, shield cell bank, pew-pew-pew, shield cell bank. And eventually, whoever's got the most, it's basically whoever's got the most, most shield cell banks that it gets, that wins. And that's not good combat. There's no skill there. There's no nothing. It's just, can I stack shield cell banks? 
Okay, so the the latest um, update that Sandy's put into this, so that was their original plan that we've just gone through. So the tweaks that they've now made, uh, and I'll read this verbatim, so they said, now we're now doubling the length of time a shield cell provides shield regeneration benefits. This effectively makes shield cells stronger, mitigating slightly the need for cell stacking. So obviously the, the length of effect is going to increase, so that might work better for the truckers who can't carry as many of them. Um, they say, we're retaining the heat penalty for cell use, but improving heat sink effectiveness. So you can still stack cells as long as you're able to spend the heat sinks. So when you were saying, Grant, that they're going to find a way of making it efficient still, it's obviously going to go half and half in terms of heat sinks and, uh, um, and yep. shield boosters by the looks of that. It is one of those, the heat sinks getting fired out of the bike, you'll know that it's going fine. I mean, the heat signature uh, boost on these things is quite tricky. I think if you're, if you're spamming your engine boost and you're firing your, sh- your shield cells off, uh, you will notice that your temperature will shoot right up, generally before the beta. Uh, I've not had the chance to have a go at it in beta as yet, as I'm still trying to get home. I actually <laughs> did have that in Shinato Desra this evening. Uh, I was trying to make my way off to Shinato Desra in my cutter just to get some better um, oh, scanners, because I noticed there's a bug. It looks like it's a bug now, actually, in game, where everybody seems to be a solid shape for me, rather than uh, the commanders being a hollow one. Um, I don't know if that's sure? just me or sure if that's a haven't been bug. We'll come on to shadow banning later, but yeah, no, you sure I, you just I, haven't I, been I shadow banned? See, I can see you and I can see Commander Icefire, for example, and Commander Icefire is looking like he's got a a solid uh, triangle here for me at the moment. But okay. anyway, I was I got interdicted by a couple of commanders in the Federal Corvette, and I was basically I don't have time for this. I'm trying to get into Shinada Desert to run to get out again. So I ran away, and I did spam. Well, I ran... Oh, I boosted, and then I did my shield cell bank and my chaff at the same time. And that got myself up to approximately 120% heat before I remembered to dump a heat sink. And so just once, whilst running away, got me up fairly toasty. And I wasn't brave enough to do it again, I have to admit. (laughs) Okay, so obviously they are they're keeping an eye on it. They're they're probably going to have a few more tweaks, I should imagine, before the uh, the beta closes. Um, another change we've got here: Zorgan Peterson has offered all of its Third Lance customers a free upgrade kit, slightly improving pitch and roll rates, and giving them a larger power plant, uh, which is now up to a size six and more efficient cooling systems. I've still never actually flown a Third Lance, but is this an improvement for those of you that have? <laughs> Nobody's flown a third lance. I've actually won only in uh, beta, and basically didn't like it because of its power problems. Okay, so, so what was its what was its power problems? Basically, I didn't have enough power to to do anything with it, um, and that's why I I basically went from the third lance and stuck in my vulture, uh, which I I I really do love. Um, I just found I just couldn't do what I want. I couldn't do anything because of the power problems in the furry lance. On the other hand, as we've seen, a lot of pirates do seem to run furry lances very effectively. So this is maybe going to be making them a little bit more scary. I don't know. Oh, well, this is it. I mean, if it was that bad a ship, why was it the uh, yeah, the ship of choice for most pirates? 
exactly. I'm not entirely sure why they felt this buff is needed, but they have. Yeah, well, maybe that. Will, maybe it makes it a more multi-role ship. Maybe it's you know more uh, appealing to to get more people using it rather than it being the ship of death. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sure we'll. Uh, I'm sure I'll get some feedback on that when it goes live. So, um, what else have we got? Uh, we've got uh, no dev updates and live stream this week. The uh, Ed's basically said that with the, the Horizon beta coming thick and fast, uh, everybody in the dev team is far too busy to talk to him. So <laughs> there's no streaming going on this week, apart from obviously the uh, Ed, the intern, uh, will be uh, taking place this week. Uh, Grant, have you got more information on that? No, I'm not sure what he's doing this week. We've been obviously as the tr- part of the trucker team. We we've been trying to get him organised for the December the third trucking one, which is a, takes an awful lot of organisation. We've got the whole um, apprentice. I don't know if anyone's heard of the apprentice trailer that we did for the uh, work interview that Ed had to carry on uh, Thursday night on Hot Orbital Radio. We're going to go through the rest of those clips and play that interview in full for for effect. So, that, but that's again that's just ours. I'm not sure who. He's working with this week. Um, give me a minute, I'll come back to you with that and I'll see if I can find that out for you. Okay, but certainly there's um, no uh, there's no dev update and there's no live stream going out this week, so uh, we'll all just have to keep on with the beta and then uh, get excited about Horizons coming. Okay, can I just give you an update week? about what's been going on on the Twitch stream? Because uh, I finished eating my pizza now. I've been Welcome back, Jarvis. We have been... Whoa! <laughs> Those are some fairly serious thrusters. We have been joined outside Lave Radio. Um, someone has come up in a federal Corvette. Um, and it is quite the beast. Uh, I, think it's in, I think it's fair to say that so far in beta, the, um, the Imperial Cutter is proving to be more popular than the federal Corvette. We have three Imperial Cutters... Uh, to one federal corvette here but it's just doing some maneuvers oh i've got another another close-up here so i've basically been trying to give people on the twitch feed uh, a bit of a look around some of the ships um i've been trying to get up close and personal with some of them just to look at some of the details um i've also been deploying the cargo hatch and the weapons and the landing gear on the keel back and giving people a good look at that vehicle apparently one of the people in uh, in game has messaged to say that the keel back um the thrusters tilt when it moves which obviously i can't see uh, and can't clarify so that'd be really cool uh, if somebody else can show up in a keel back i'll try and um show that the other thing that i was showing that was interesting i just wanted to highlight this um Apologies if you're listening to the audio, but I will uh, describe it as best I can. I've actually gone into external camera mode and I've lost my own ship. Where's my ship gone? <laughs> it's behind could, you. Yeah, I've completely lost. I might have to just duck out of debug cam and go back into it just so I know it's there. So if we just flip around here to the underside of the keel back, um, there was just a nice little detail because one of the things I've noticed about 1.5, and I don't know if the rest of you have, actually, yeah, if some of you other commanders could. Um, point your torches onto the uh point your headlights onto the bottom of the keelback that'd be great one of the things i've noticed about 1.5 there's an awful lot of stuff in 1.5 that paves the way for planetary landings i don't know if you've i don't know if those of you who've been playing 1.5 have noticed but there is a huge amount of stuff already in place for that horizons release um and i just wanted to point out this on the bottom of the keelback there's this big metal sort of hatch on the bottom um that basically says bay 001 
And I'm pretty sure that must be the keelbacks hatch for the um, SRV. It must be, which gives some indication. I mean, if you look at a ship the size of the keelback, which is basically a Type 6 with bigger guns, um, and, it, and it does have bigger guns, I'll comment on that in a moment. But if you, yeah, if you look at this bay underneath, it's sort of... Um, it, I think it's slightly overlit, actually. You can't quite see what it says, but um, it says on the bottom of this door, Bay 001. And it's interesting that it gives you some indication, then, of the size of the SRV in relation to this ship. Um, the other thing that's interesting is the fact that it says Bay 001. I mean, that might just be, you know, a kind of nice little detail. It might suggest that some large ships down the line have multiple SRVs, although they haven't said that. Oh, someone's moved their light. That's good. So you can see that now. That says Bay 001. Um, in terms of the, as I say, in terms of the weapons on the keelback, just because this is the one I've had the most experience with um, in the beta, I have flown the um, Asp Scout as well. And the thing, um, the thing I will say about the Asp Scout, it's a, it's quite a nice ship. It's very manoeuvrable. Um, it sounds like a crop duster when you're trying to maneuver around in the asp scout it really sounds like a little single prop plane just struggling to keep from stalling i mean that's no criticism of the sound department it sounds amazing but it does make the whole experience of flying the asp scout a little bit like riding around in one of those 50 cc scooters um but it's it's an interesting ship. I mean, it's 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 in the same sort of range as the sort of Cobra Viper end of the market. Um, slightly tougher hull, slightly better steering, but actually slower uh, and less in terms of internal compartments. And actually, what's been interesting for me because I've my experience of Elite has mostly been the Cobra Mark III. Um, the more ships I compare to the Cobra Mark III, the more more impressed I am with it. The amount it can do for the size of that ship. That's by the by. So just looking up at this, this is the keelback. Um, as you can see, it looks kind of like a Type Six, uh, but just in terms of the weapons, we've got two medium hard points and two small hard points. So basically, the keel pack, the keelback is a smallish you know size cargo ship but it has the same firepower options as the cobra mark three um so i've got on this i've got a turreted what have i got i've got a plasma accelerator there fixed plasma accelerator i've got a cannon on a turret and on the underside i don't know if we'll be able to see it uh but on the underside i've got twin turreted beam lasers so actually i got into i wanted to get into a scrap with this ship just to see what it was like in combat um and uh i, I loaded up with some quite expensive cargo and waited till i got interdicted i got interdicted by a by, by a viper with uh, twin turreted beam lasers and i virtually didn't have to maneuver i mean i just set the turreted beams to go after it and just rotated just to keep those turrets on it and to be honest it didn't even uh, whittle my shields down i did buy a lot of upgrades for the keelback though so uh i'm being asked questions what i'm being asked <laughs> sorry Fazza. did have i got carried away i just wanted to give people a catch up on what was going on on twitch um so the yeah and the the look at this the uh federal corvette has come in for another nice little view here do you know what the federal corvette well, i've said this before about some of the other ships federal corvette really reminds me of um the scorpio from blake seven 
It's the same really? size. Yeah. Now, Blake 7, you're going back a lot of years and a lot of people. Well, I'd say our target audience probably remembers Blake 7 quite well, but uh, let's say that, <laughs> you know, by some freak of nature, we've got some younger listeners in the audience. What exactly was Blake 7? What exactly was Blake 7? Oh, travesty. Um, so, Blake 7 was a sci fi, it was basically the 70s British version of Firefly. <laughs> Let's sum that up for today. So, no, it was it was a BBC um, show. The same sort of production people and a lot of the same writers as Doctor Who, but kind of tougher and grittier. So it was a bit like a sort of um, uh, British uh, Battlestar Galactica, maybe. And it was about this group of seven fugitives who um, were escaping from the Galactic Federation. Um, and they, they went through a number of ships throughout the course of the different series. The most famous, of course, is the Liberator, uh, which is that ship with the three sort of warp nacelles coming off in a sort of tripod format. Um, but the Scorpio, I'm going to try and bring up an image of it. Uh, let me just pull this over to this monitor. And where are we? So this is the Scorpio. Um Oh, this is someone's art that they've done on DeviantArt, but here's a capture from the series. And, you can, you know, you can see there the Scorpio's this kind of uh, wedge-shaped, sort of elongated diamond thing going on. And I don't think it's massively unfair to say that it looks a bit like the Federal, uh, federal um, Corvette. I don't feel harsh making that comparison. Okay, cool. So if you haven't seen Blake 7, then go and look it up on Google, and then you see how much Jarvis is right or wrong about the fact it looks like the Federal Corvette. The Federal Corvette, which, by the way, I've just smashed into at ridiculous speed and got myself a 100-credit fine. So sorry about that, Commander Payne. <laughs> that was exceptionally all... stupid. That's all right. Um, <clears throat> so, um, not quite as stupid as oh a fire by accident. Someone so... is now shooting. It's yeah, that's me. Kicking off. So, oh, okay probably want to uh, back away from me now because I have a feeling the uh, the station's probably going to kick my ass for doing that. Yeah, so sorry, because I'm doing all the streaming stuff, I can't see the show notes. Do you want me to, while I've got the stream, do you want me to um, go through some of the other changes that I'm slightly surprised aren't in the dev update? Yeah, do it. Because there's not? quite a bit of stuff in here. Um, and I might even have to dock with Lave Station to show you some of them because there are actually some changes in the station UI as well. Um, so if we uh, have a look here, just a small little change. I've not noticed this before. You might correct me and say it's always been there. But we've now got filters for the um, local navigation screen. I've not noticed those before. No, I've never used new. them. That's new, definitely new. Yep, so we can now set navigation filters to search just for things like stations or points of interest or signal sources. Um, so if you're finding that you're, you know, having to kind of look around a lot, you know, in your kind of navigation screen to find where you're going, uh, then those filters could hopefully be for you. Um, the other thing that we've noticed, and this is significant because you were talking earlier about the, the synthesis thing. If we now go into cargo... We now have two options under cargo. We have ship cargo and materials. Now, the keelback has space for 300 materials. I don't know. Perhaps someone can tell me whether or not 300 is going to be standard across all the ships for materials or whether different ships will have different space for materials. I can't confirm that because I'm only in the, the keelback. Well, what have you got in yours, Fozzer? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know, but Fozzer, I think, is trying to get me killed and get... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> 
<laughs> so yeah, so there's on on the car on your cargo screen in the ship. There's now a distinction between your cargo and your materials within your ship cargo. I'm actually not carrying anything at the moment, which is silly. You have filters um, which allow you to. If you, I, I, I can't personally see how much use this would be, but I guess if you've got a really big ship and you're carrying loads of little different types of cargo um this would be really useful but you have um filters now to show damaging illegal mission power play or stolen cargo most of these i understand um what's damaging cargo is this a new thing are we going to be carrying things that actually do like internal damage to the ship we already have them with our radioactive oh, the artifacts and things do they damage the ship yep they Ooh. damage modules in the ship I'm glad I never picked those up. Oh, I didn't realise that. Well, there you go. Um, so, yeah, there's some new new little bits in there. Um, and I think everything else is pretty similar. The other big change that you'll notice now is on your reputation screen. Uh, what Frontier have finally done, I think this is a really great step, is your reputation with the major factions, i.e. Federation, Empire or Alliance. You now have a progress bar showing your progress within that reputation. Now, I've actually got a, a thread open uh, on the forums, and, and Zach uh, Antonacci is looking into this for me. Um, I basically, before the game went live, I committed one crime in federal space and immediately went to unfriendly. And in the entire year I've been playing Elite Dangerous, I have been unable to get my reputation with the feds above friendly. And you can see here at the moment, my reputation appears to have dropped all the way to the bottom of unfriendly. And I am slowly working my way back up to neutral, which actually considering that an unfriendly status stops you from taking missions with the Federation. It's really hard I don't know if anyone else is in this position, but it's really hard to get back to neutral. Um, but at least now we've got this screen which shows um, how far you are off increasing your reputation with those factions. And I think it's, you know, I think it's useful. Um, and we've also got ranks here for your, um, your your military status within the Federation and Empire. Everything's showing 0% at the moment. I presume they haven't quite finished working on this screen, uh, but it's an interesting it's an interesting change. Um, yeah, especially if you think that the Imperial Cutter, which seems to be the ship of choice at the moment, especially um, because there's quite a few rumours around its uh, cargo capacity, it's something ridiculous like uh, 600 with uh, you know, with a smaller shield, uh, with the largest shield generator, and if you put a small shield generator, it goes up to something ridiculous like 720 tonnes. Um, that's you know far outseeds the, uh, the Type 9 and would probably be my ship of choice. The problem, of course, is you then have to rank all the way up to I would imagine the top rank for the Imperials in order to be able to be eligible to actually get that ship. Now, I don't know what you guys have found, but certainly in the past, ranking up seems to be one hell of a ball ache. Um, doesn't seem to be anywhere near as straightforward as it was in Frontier in terms of just going and starting off as a low mission and you know doing some courier runs until you got to the next level and then the next level and the next level. It seems to be a lot more uh fidgety particularly pain in the arsey to uh to do the the ranking missions on here and if i'm right didn't they also do a uh a nerf a slight nerf to it because i think our very own mr john stabler went very very quickly to the sort of top ranks of the imperials and then it was basically nerfed so none of us could actually chase him and follow him up the rankings that does ring a bell yes Fazza. Yeah. so um, i need to remember i'm not following the cobra 
the uh, the thing is, of course, with these ships, I mean, trying to get the the prices of uh, of them all, it looks like the uh, the price of the the big boys, so the the Federal Corvette and also the Imperial Cutter. Uh, this is just a guesstimate of uh, the prices in beta. The prices in beta are normally sort of 10% of uh, of what they're going to be in, in game. So looking at them, the Imperial Cutter is going to be somewhere in the region of 200 million credits. And the Federal Corvette slightly cheaper at 180 million credits. Um, so I'm not sure how many of us out there are going to be able to afford the, the Cutter straight off the bat. But even if we could afford it, obviously we need to do the ranking up uh, section before that unless of course there are some community goals like the one that grant did and didn't tell me about where they're actually giving away imperial ships as uh, rewards isn't that right grant not that i'm bitter or bear a grudge i take it grant's left us sorry yeah yeah you're obviously not following the skype chat he's um <laughs> yeah he's off to do his pickup <laughs> right Perfect. Okay, so um, yeah, so there was okay. a community call where you could actually get some imperial ships. So I'm hoping that as soon as the cutter lands, then there's an imperial uh, there's an imperial reward uh, for ships for some community goals. That'd be awesome. Save me having to do yeah. all the ranking up. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be cool. Uh, yeah, I think it is. I've only really done some of the um, low ranks with the military stuff, um, and I've tended to find that the missions I've done, you go up a rank like for doing one mission so i haven't really had to grind it but i am you know i'm only what am i i'm a i'm a cadet or something with the uh yeah i'm a cadet with the feds um but uh yeah um sorry just going back to i've just had a very nice shout out from someone saying they're listening to escape velocity again uh commander dookie um yeah this is the other change i just wanted to highlight um with the 1.5 they've now taken away the wording in the commodities market that says low medium or high for availability and they've replaced it with a little icon which fairly self-explanatorily shows it as high medium or low um the thing that is interesting uh is that there have been i'm going to see if because there's been an update to my elite today and i just want to see if these are still in there there were some commodities that appeared and i hadn't read the fine print and i was trying to work out why i was flying these goods around and i was unable to make money off them but basically uh, let me see if i can find one um in brackets when you looked at the description for the uh technology or the, for the for the item uh, it basically said that it was surface it was a surface good so actually some of the goods that are going to go into horizons that you'll pick up for um you know for plant landings when you land on a starport those those commodities are already in the game because uh, i've seen them in beta looking at lave stations market here i can't find any so i think they might have taken that out in the latest update but yeah i was very confused because i picked up i just went to technology and just bought a whole load of something that had a high um uh, availability that was above like two thousand credits and uh, i couldn't sell it anywhere for profit and then when i actually looked at the commodity it said this is bought by surface stations i was like ah that's (laughs) why that's why no one's offering me more than like purchase price for it um so yeah there's an awful lot of stuff in the game that is there that that is there you know already in place for horizons Uh, it got me quite excited when i saw some of this stuff um well speaking about that then chris have you seen any of the oh the keyboard commands because we've got all the keyboard stuff for the uh, srv and everything as well oh i've not so i've not looked at that is that in the menu now is it oh that's that's all in the controls menu yeah 
Uh, okay, right, there's nothing... And what sort of things is that uh, covering? It's all the stuff you'd expect. It's basically, it looks like it's going to be done as landing... Same idea as our landing overrides, but for the SRV. Um, if you bear with me two seconds, I can tell you, but I just remember I had to... I, I've kind of been a little bit naughty. Don't don't tell my work, but I might have gone and installed Elite Dangerous onto my work laptop. <laughs> I was going to say, I've seen you outside Lave Station tonight, so it can't be all bad. <laughs> yeah, so, so don't, don't, don't tell the office I've done that. Ah, it's um, good, it's good and I get a massive 20 frames a second. It's a good job this doesn't go out on the internet, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, if this, if this is for public and if any of, my, any of my colleagues from the office actually listened, then I, I might get in trouble, I don't know. Yeah, so we've got a bunch of stuff here. We've got driving assist, which is obviously a flight assist. I think they've talked about that, haven't they? Um, mm-hmm. Pitch up, yeah, pitch down, have. vertical thrusters. So it is a, it's not a, I suppose it's not a throttle like, it's it's more like a kind of just general up thrust. So it's going to be a bit like playing um, that old game that I think was called Thrust, where you were just fo- kind of fighting against gravity to stay above. Yeah, uh, you say that, but if you look a bit further down, there's also a handbrake. There's nice. a handbrake on buggies. Yeah, <laughs> handbrake. We've got headlights, toggle buggy turret, and fire buggy weapon. And a thing that says operate data link scanner. Operate data link to lock onto targets with a tap and scan applicable targets with a hold. So that's obviously going to be a little bit like the cargo scanner, maybe. Um, so probably yeah. useful for salvaging and, and various things like that. So yeah, that's cool. You've got driving turret controls as well. Uh, looks like you can control the turret with a mouse if you are so inclined. I'm not sure what I'm going to do about a controller for the SRVs. I think I might have the um, 360 controller on hand. And when I land, I'll probably put my joystick to one side and maybe use the really? gamepad for driving. I, I, I just can't see me driving a ground vehicle with a joystick. Ah, I see. I think the, the joystick's an ideal solution for driving the uh, the buggy. I think it would Did. be absolutely intuitive. Yeah, especially with all the thrust and everything else. Would you uh, use I the yaw to steer, the... or would you use the... Good question. Uh, yeah, that I don't know until I've actually started driving around. Yeah, I would, yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to give that one a go in game, but... Um, I mean, put it this yeah. way, the, la- the last time I played a driving game using a joystick was on the Amiga. So, and that would, you know what? And that wasn't even an analog joystick, you know, that was a digital joystick. So, uh, we're talking, you know, we're talking about something like Outrun or something like that. Um, so I think for me, it's going to be kind of weird. I think, yeah, I might just, I might resort to the gamepad. Um, oh, we've got loads of stuff here drive throttle, driving miscellaneous, cargo um, scoop. Are yeah. you noticing that they're referring yeah. to it as the buggy weapon, not the SRV weapon? I know. They, they, I know. Does that mean you have to drink every time you fire it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Sack that guy. <laughs> I'm sure that would be changed out of beta. Um, okay, well, let's leave the, uh, the buggy behind. Let's just clear out the last remaining parts of these, uh, these ships that people have flown. Um, the Viper Mark IV... Um, I've had uh, I've had some time in the uh, Viper Mark IV flying around the galaxy, and oh, yeah. I, I have to say it's it, for me it's a bit of a big old bucket of meh. Um, and this is kind of my issue with some of the variants. Unless you fly these ships as your dedicated ship time after time, um, I'm not sure with the variants that there's enough difference between you know the Viper Mark III, the Viper Mark IV, the Keelback for people that are sort of just jumping into them as casual players to notice much of a difference. I certainly didn't see much of a difference in terms of you know, the handling from the times that I've flown a Viper to, uh, to jumping into the Viper Mark IV at all. 
Uh, again, it's probably going to be different if that's your dedicated ship, but I don't know. Part of me just thinks that yeah, this is a little bit of a an easy option for uh, Frontier to, to get the ship numbers up just by putting these variants in. Um, I didn't really notice there was that much of a difference um, from... The, the Vipers we've had in the past. So have you guys had a chance to jump in the Viper? Would you say that was the same? What about the Asp? Obviously, that's a variant. Yeah. How's that I'm, compared to the old Asp? I'm just watching this Imperial Cutter get absolutely blitzed by the station weapons. Um, I assume that's a player. That's a bit harsh. I think that's the second time he's tried to take off and been killed. Um, yeah, the Asp Scout, like I say, it sounds like a crop-dusting plane. Uh, really, the engines really just sound like it's permanently struggling. Um it's a bit on the slow side. If if you imagine a slower Cobra with slightly better armour and better shield options and less internal compartments, that's really how the Asp Scout kind of feels. Uh, geez. But it's got great it's got great handling. I mean the um uh the steering on it's the steering on it's absolutely incredible. I mean it's it, you know, it handles like an eagle. Um, but just with a really okay, low so top you can, speed. You can feel the difference then. Yeah, yeah, yeah between totally. that and an explorer. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, the the explorer, yeah, it's it's it handles generally much better than the the, the other asps. Um, <clears throat> and in the same way, I mean, I'm not used to flying because you know I'm not used to flying bigger, clunkier ships. The um, the steering on the keelback is is painful. <laughs> you do i will say this i will say this if you're going to invest in the keelback you need to buy turreted weapons because you are not going to be following anybody to shoot at them you really you're not going to be tracking any targets in the keelback uh it steers like a cow basically um although i was just looking at it if you if you look on the twitch i, I just had a nice kind of nostromo from aliens vibe about it there's something about the way the back of the keelback looks which i presume is the same on the type six um but i've never seen it this up close um but it's to me the back of that ship looks like the end of uh, alien when uh spoilers if you haven't seen alien uh turn off sound for the next uh, 30 seconds uh the bit at the end of alien where she blows the alien out the airlock and then it climb tries to climb in through the engine ducts that's what the back of the keelback looks like to me um and even more so when it's thrusters are running uh it's it's quite a sight um i have to say i mean people that i've seen not a lot of love around for the keelback but actually i've had a lot of fun with it i've really enjoyed flying it around and it's nice to have a cargo ship that you feel can actually hold its own in a fight which is really what the keelback um is designed for and obviously because we're in beta i've been able to afford um all kinds of upgrades for it um <clears throat> and i've i've bought as much internal cargo space as i could reasonably fit and that gives me 76 tons which isn't bad for a ship with the same, effectively the same firepower options as a Cobra. Jarvis, while you're talking about the keelback, go and target Commander of, of a Bottom, who is currently manoeuvring his keelback, and he's sh- showing his swivelly thrusters to lovely effects. So, where is he? Is he outside? He's outside, he's outside. lathe, yeah. Okay, let me launch. Can we I just do launch. a quick um, shout out to um, Commander Slapshot? Uh, who didn't seem to get the memo about everybody bringing new ships and is rocked up in his Cobra Mark III. It's like coming to a fancy <laughs> dress party in your normal clothes. So you don't know what you're playing at, Commander. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. The Asp Scout is um, very cheap. How much is the Asp Scout? Is that 20,000 credits or something in the beta? Or 200,000? It's yeah. not. Even for me, with my measly 3 million credits that I had at the start of this beta, 
uh, could afford to, you know, try some different stuff. Right. I'm looking for a keel back. I think he's just stopped. Anything to get uh, away from you. Oh, no, that's <laughs> it. No, he's not. He's, he's outside station. Okay. Uh, he's well, got com- his guns out now. Commander Upper Bottom has also shown up in a keel back. So, um, yeah, that's what and- I was talking about. Oh, okay, I will go and look Upper Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Phrasing! <laughs> okay, uh, anybody else? anything else to add for, uh, for ships updates? Obviously, UI changes, new ships, how they handle... Um, Anything else that we're expecting before the uh, the horizons drops, or is this pretty much it for uh, for one point five beta? Yeah, I mean, I think we just want oh, Diallo, we just need to see those numbers on the uh, reputation screen, sort of reflecting what the bars are showing. Yeah, so Commander Upper Bottom here is showing me um, the the thrusters moving around on the keelback. Uh, a bit twitchy, actually. It's not very. It's not a hugely smooth. It's movement. not smooth, is it? No, no. Um, it reminds me a bit of the the the, the droid from um, Interstellar. <laughs> it's like this big <laughs> clunky cube with these kind of flailing limbs on either side. But no, it's quite. It, you know, I, I like any ship that's got a bit of animation on it. Oh, I'm being shot at. Why am I being shot at? That'll be Fozzer again, won't it? <laughs> yeah, someone is attacking. <laughs> yes, that's Fozzer again. It's Fozzer. Why, it is amazing how quick the space uh, the space station can actually blow you up, even in a cutter. <laughs> well, yeah, you got my you, you've got my hull down to forty three percent. So uh, well done there. Um, yeah, I mean the um, the other thing I'll say about the cutter is that the um, it's it's slow. Even with I, I bought the top thrusters I could find for it and put four pips to engines, it still only does two hundred. You mean so, the uh, the keelback? The keelback, yeah. Not the you cutter. are not sorry, not the cutter. The keelback. You're not going anywhere in a cutter quickly, <laughs> basically. Um, well, that was the same with about the the Type Six. I mean, this is just a variant of the Type Six, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm speaking from a point of view. I've not I've not flown the Type Six all that much. I have been very tempted to get one actually, um, but I think now I think I'd be I'd be looking at the keelback uh, for doing that. Uh, nothing, nothing in this universe goes slower than the Type Nine. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. No, I can't think of anything else I've seen. Um, I have tried some of the multi-part missions that are yep. new in 1.5. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit unsold on it. I'm, I think it'll be more fun with Horizons. Um, the multi-part mission I did felt a little bit like I took a job from Semi-S to. Um, somewhere vequest when i got to vequest they said oh the guy you're looking for is not here you need to go back to semi-s and then flew back to semi-s and they said yeah you need, you need to go back to vequest so it's a little bit like it, it's kind of like a really elongated fetch quest where people are just sending you back and forth between a and b but you know you get paid more for doing it and i guess if you get one of these quests that also allows you to do a decent trade run between points a and b it could be a fairly profitable day um I've had a comment from Zach Antonacci, actually, um, about the whole reputation issue. Uh, Mike Brooks has commented on it uh, and basically said that it's harder to gain rep than it is to lose it. Um, But that's possibly the discrepancy between dropping down to unfriendly and taking forever and a day to get back to neutral. (laughs) Uh, yeah, there's a difference between a, harder and impossible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if Frontier are listening, it'd be really nice to have a few more mission options 
for those who are unfriendly with the Federation, like re- maybe really dangerous, stupid ones that friends of the Federation would never take on, but those who are desperate to curry favour <laughs> might take on might take on really dangerous jobs for low pay in return for a little bit of recognition with the Federation. <laughs> what about donation missions? Do we need reputation to do them? No, because no, effectively, could you? I'm just wondering, you know, could you sort of bribe your way to make the Federation yeah, buy your like way in. you? Yeah. Like giving them a thousand a million credits or something. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just, you know, frustrating when you see missions that are available to like, um, whatever, whatever the basic explorer rank is. There's missions that are available to them, and I'm like a explorer, you know, a scout or something like that for um, the explorer rank. But I can't take on those missions because I'm, I'm still technically unfriendly. So it's just one of those things. Um, and like I say, at least with the progress bar oh dear i've tabbed away at least with the progress bar now um showing your progress to the next reputation at least you can see that you are kind of getting somewhere um i'm just surprised it's taking so long because i feel like i've been doing a lot for the feds recently and that isn't a very big bar (laughs) (laughs) okay is there anything else people want to cover off with uh, the current beta i'm sure we'll still be talking about it in next week's episode as well uh, with whatever changes they decide to bring in. But I think, uh, as far as the stuff that I've had to play around with, that's probably it from my side of things. You guys? No, that's basically it, I think. Cool. Okay, well, let's just quickly pick up on one of the other things that came out from uh, the devs, uh, and that was the issue of shadow bands, which, you know, given all the, the tomfoolery I've been getting up to in uh, beta this evening outside Lowe Station, if anybody should have been shadow banned, it would probably be me for being just a, a bit of a twat. But um, shadow bands, we've had a little bit more information from Commander Sticks as to what exactly these things um, consist of. So. Uh, they basically said the shadow bands prevent players from having any influence on the background simulation and it basically removes them from open play and repeat offenders are locked in that state indefinitely um, now Ben I know you did a bit of digging on the, the tinterwebs around uh, how easy it was to uh, to cheat in Elite Dangerous and how many different hacks and options there are available out there if you just do a quick search for it um, Frontier have been very, very quiet on the whole shadow bands thing. So almost to the point where you think they're not actually doing anything. Um, how much stuff did you see out there, Ben, in terms of ways to hack the game? Uh, it's very quick and easy to just do a Google looking for ways to hack and cheat. And there are some nice, well, nice inverted commas, scripts that let you go and give you things like infinite shields and so on or effectively infinite shields, or very large power plants and things like that. I don't really want to give much more credence to it than that. <laughs> no, that's, fine. Um, um, that's fine. And what they've also said is, obviously, if you see anything, <laughs> report pilots who are suspicious and they'll investigate it. They can't give you any information about the findings of that investigation, because um, obviously even cheaters are afforded basic account privacy. Um, but... They would like to tell us that they are indeed working behind the scenes to improve their ability to detect cheaters and ultimately the prevention methods for this kind of behaviour uh, are being looked at. So trust me when I say that cheating annoys us just as much as it annoys everybody else. So that's from Commander Sticks. So it's good to know that they are actually working on it because when we did a quick uh, investigation on the web as to what was going on in terms of how easy it was to hack game, there seems to be a lot of stuff out there. So fair play for them for uh, for looking out for that. Um Excellent. 
Let's have a look. Quick questions. Uh, there was a nice, um, nice story about uh, a commander actually playing the game, Ben, that you found online. Uh, just quickly run us through that. Uh, it's basically. <laughs> I'm going to do exactly what I said at the start of the show. Like, um, no, it just I thought it was really nice that for a change we had a commander who handed in his anaconda or his Type Nine or whatever ship it was. I can't remember because I don't have it up in front of me because you came at me cold. Um, and he basically handed in his really expensive ship that he was afraid almost to take out and he's just majorly overpowered and I think he went into an A-rated Sidewinder and basically had fun in the game again and you know, I th- that makes so much sense because I know that I, okay, I don't drop all the way down to a, a, a Sidewinder but I do drop down from my Anaconda to a Vulture and I just have so much more fun flying around in my vulture when I'm not being boring and doing my trading stuff, because it's just... You're not afraid that every time you die, that's like six, seven million credits you've just lost. Yeah. Um, and obviously, in the, if you're flying an anic- uh, Sidewinder, then that's even less. But I think... The other thing that I think that was good, though, that maybe surprised me a little bit was how capable he found the even the Sidewinder once he got used to it and once he really upgetted it. That everyone seems to discount the Sidewinder and actually it's a really good ship that maybe people are sometimes a little bit too quick to get out of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's now almost seen as the uh, as you know one of the CQC ships, isn't it? As opposed to like a main game ship anymore. Um Obviously, we've still got our orange sidewinder that we keep for the radio station uh, purposes. But apart from that, we don't really fly around in sidewinders anymore. Um, it'll be interesting, actually, to see what impact Horizons has on the the smaller ship. I'd love it that the you know, the smaller ships almost had a, a niche or a place carved out with them because they're easier. They're they're easier to fly around canyons. They're more manoeuvrable on yeah on planet surfaces. Uh, in providing support to take down bases and stuff um, that things like anacondas are just too big and too bulky to actually do. So it's almost like you have uh, a new role for the smaller ships uh, when Horizon comes on board. That would be awesome. That would be awesome, but Frontier have kind of indicated that we'll only be able to carry fighters, even though the anaconda's description, at least it did last time I checked, says that this can take up to a sidewinder. No, absolutely. Um, and I'm not talking about sort of jetting them from uh, the cargo bay. I'm just saying all ships, including the Sidewinder, will be able to take a buggy. Um, mm-hmm. But what about just going down there and having your Sidewinder or being part of a wing with your mates and having your Sidewinder as support because they're basically the most agile planet surface fighters that you can get? I think that would make a lot of sense. Or maybe I might not take a Sidewinder, but just maybe a... I, I could be very tempted, actually, by something like the Viper Mark IV. Actually, mm. you know, give me yeah. a bit more, give me a bit more maneuverability. Don't really need the speed when I'm going up against a manu- uh, stationary target. Speed is probably going to be a liability in canyons. In fact, no, uh, it depends on how good you can fly. <laughs> it worked for um, Will Smith in Independence Day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that is, you know, that is that is the. Uh, 
kosher thing, isn't it? That's the yard. Yeah, absolutely. That's the yardstick I'm measuring this by. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, speaking about the planetary, um, uh, the planetary surface, planetary surface and stuff, um, I take it everybody saw that Mr. Braben was back on his uh, old tricks and releasing a sneak peek this week. Uh, this time with oh, the yes. Imperial Cutter parked and the uh, the fortified station. Yep. Or the fortified starport, I think it was called. What did you guys make of that? It's probably not a bad shout, Chris, for those people that are watching on Twitch. Um, ben, what did you think of this when it came out? I really liked it. I mean, I think it was it's about what I was expecting to see, I guess, that he's going through these great big tunnels um, as he's flying, as he's driving, sorry, into the starport. I'd like to drive around... Is that Jarvis? Yeah, that's Jarvis that's broadcasting all that noise. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Jarvis, why don't you describe the video things you're there? Uh, okay, I'm going to have to wind it back. Well, I mean, uh, so what we're seeing here on this video is a lot of what we've already been looking at already on Twitch Team, um, but this is the Imperial Cutter uh, from the ground, from inside an SRV. Um, so yeah, Dave is having a good drive around, basically under the wings of it. I mean, it is a beast. Uh, it is, you know, it is a fairly substantial drive around it. Um, you can see uh, there's an interesting point coming up in a moment in the video where uh, the, the SRV appears to approach what is the SRV bay because you can actually hear a bit of a noise when he approaches. Yeah, I've watched that a couple of times. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's actually just the SRV noise or the uh, yeah the locking of yeah. the the docking bay because that be. um, that gangplank. But, uh, I mean, I thought initially that that was going to be the thing that you drive up uh, your SRV, but... Yeah. No, no, yeah, I thought maybe you going to drive walking here. down, sort of, uh, yeah. It's the front landing um, gear, isn't it? Does the front landing gear double up as the um, boarding ramp for people, do you think? Well, that's what I thought. I yeah. think, yeah, it, I it think would it does, be, yeah. I've just, I've just paused the video really slightly. It really ostentatious. Yeah, I've just paused the video slightly, uh, just to kind of give people a moment to prepare for this. Again, apologies if you're listening in audio, but I will attempt to describe it. Um, so after David has done a bit of a drive around the feet of the uh, Imperial Cutter, he then drives towards a, um, a sort of space station, a different type of space station than we've seen before. Um, and it's called Port... Oh, Port A. It's not called Port A. There's obviously different doors on it. Um, so yeah, he drives in through this door and we are treated with, I mean, just this incredible kind of sci-fi vista of a city, basically, inside a ground starport. And it's really impressive. Uh, we've got domed buildings here, um, which... Oh dear, let's rewind that. We've got domed buildings, which... Um, I suppose if you want to de-romanticise it a little bit, looks like the roof of Coventry Market. Uh, <laughs> but we've also got kind of sort of very high skyscrapers. Let me just pause it there for a moment. We've got very high skyscrapers. We've got windows as far as the eye can see. I mean, it looks like um, something out of Blade Runner. I mean, if you imagine those bits from Blade Runner where they're sort of talking about the off-world colonies, um, if those off-world colonies looked, you know, didn't look like this, I'd be very surprised. Um, and it's just a really impressive sneak peek at the inside of a kind of a really because some of the other starports we've seen do look very functional and do look a bit like kind of airports uh, whereas this very much looks like a place that people kind of live and work uh, and there's adverts and uh, yeah it's just it's very interesting indeed. One of the things I liked about that video, again, all kudos to the, the sound team but the change in sound as you go through that tunnel at the end 
yeah, from driving yeah. on the planet's surface to the echoing sound when you go through the tunnel. It's just a small thing, but it, it, it's done really, really well. Yeah, which is weird because it's not meant to be in the atmosphere, but... Yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about this, about whether or not this is your ship or rather your buggy now uh, synthesizing sounds for the outside world for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it should be. But yeah, I, yeah I'm, just, I'm not going to dwell on it. Uh, it sounds good, anyway. <laughs> Um, speaking about um, uh, cockpits and being immersive and things like that, did everybody catch the, uh, the Meet the Team this week, which was uh, Joanne Taylor, who's the senior yeah. environment artist? Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, yeah, I think it's been one of the most interesting um, Meet the Teams we've had for a while in terms of the level of detail that she put into uh, answering some of the questions. Um, it did throw up a, a nice question that I was going to put to you guys, though, in terms of um, yeah, what's your favourite cockpit uh, in the game? and uh, and why well uh, honestly you know. i've seen very few of them um because i've mostly been since playing since the beginning of elite i've been mostly only flying the sidewinder uh, and the cobra i will say that, that having flown the cobra for such a long time um, i really appreciate any ship i now get into where you can see through the glass beneath your feet <laughs> uh, it's just a really nice touch to be able to come into land and actually look down and see the pad kind of approaching you whereas obviously the cobra only has upward visibility so um yeah i'm kind of i almost feel a bit like saying anything but the, i've seen the inside of the cobra so much now or almost anything but um, um, so, I mean, I'm, you know. I'm seeing a few i'm seeing a few people comment in the uh in the various chat rooms as well um i saw this on the forums uh, and i thought someone was joking but it's just popped up in the chat room again is it actually true that the federal dropship does have a coffee machine off to the side has anybody else seen that that surely can't be true i, I don't think the federal dropship has any Apparently witnesses <laughs> i don't, I don't know that, no, well, I don't know that anyone has ever bought and flown one i didn't realize there were three different models of federal dropship there's like the federal dropship uh, the federal gunship and something else Yes, we're all about the variants when it comes to that one. So yeah. no, supposedly on the right hand side of the federal dropship there is in fact a coffee machine. I know there is um there's the thermos flask, uh, I think it's in the sidewinder, or it might be the cobra, um, <laughs> which also has and this is the nicest touch I think that's in game. Uh, uh there's also a, a flight manual, which is exactly the same flight manual that got shipped out in the uh, nineteen eighty four version of Elite. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, that's actually sort of tucked away in the side dash of one of the ships. Uh, you can see if you look to your left or your right. Um, I think it's a lovely little touch, a lovely little sort of nod to the nostalgia. Uh, my favourite cockpit, I think, has to be the Type 9. Um, it's a beast of a ship to fly, but in terms of actual cockpit, if you can sort of see that in virtual reality as well, in terms of the sort of space that's behind you and the multi-layers of it and looking down beneath your feet and stuff and just, just being faced with this wall of glass in front of you, um, it gives you such a really good um, sort of picture of the galaxy around you. Uh, ben, what's your favourite I'd actually go all the way back to the Sidewinder, and just, I remember when I looked to my right, and there was a box of tissues there, and I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> oh, hold on a second, it just you, makes don't, it you, don't feel, you don't feel comfortable unless you have a box of tissues next to you. That's for the hunt. To be honest, like... <laughs> <laughs> it's just these little homey touches that... I, I think is just brilliant. And <laughs> he's, it's, not, he's not making it any better, is he? <laughs> he's really not. <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually, while we're talking, I've been looking around the Imperial Cutter's cockpit. 
And I love how on the far left-hand side, it looks like what, what I would say is like a science and engineering station sitting, sort of facing the starboard, I think it is, it's facing the left um, of the ship. So you've got two, two seats at the front and then one off to your left. And it's got like a great big desk area that I just think that looks really, really cool. Um, but I don't like how the anaconda, you've got, if you look above you in the anaconda, you've got all your wires and things like that hanging yeah. free. Yeah, um, I mentioned this in the forum thread that uh, no matter how many times I buy the anaconda and no matter which shipyard I buy it from, it always has the same defect the cat five cables hanging down from the dashboard above you yeah i think considering how much money you invest in an anaconda yeah i think that sort of sloppy workmanship or that complete design flaw uh should be stamped out and as uh, joanne was actually the person that designed the anaconda cockpits uh, she's the one that we have to shout out yeah it's taking uh, how bad work are we 499 bit of trunking yeah <laughs> what well, is it you know <laughs> Do you know what? And every single time I put my hand up, I push it back behind the dashboard. But every time I come out of Super Cruise, bang, there it is. You look up and it's dropped out again. Every single <laughs> time. You see, the thing is, you get this a lot with like really rich people's houses. I've seen it all the time. You go into this big <laughs> mansion. It's got like eight bedrooms, and like each bedroom's got four bathrooms, and it's this giant sort of three-story structure from the outside. And you think, wow, you know, wow. Imagine living in a place like this. And you go inside, and none of the skirting boards are straight they've got some of the worst window frame i mean you know the detail is just is just not there so i think that's it you know the the the, the anaconda is for for people that you know have the money for a big showy kind of lifestyle ship but actually when it comes down to it the the quality of craftsmanship is not there uh, and it it does doesn't bear up to close examination (laughs) brand what uh, what's your favorite cockpit mate Oh, Craig, I can't really see past the Imperial ships. When you look inside them, you just think, oh, God, it's the Apple Mac of the world, isn't it? <laughs> um, but I love the Asp. Um, the Asp with the viewport between your legs. So when you're, if you're using the likes of Oculus or Track IR, you can look down and see the landing pad coming up to meet your ship. That's quite special. And that and the T9, I think, are my two favourites. Yeah, I must admit the the ASP was one of those ones where I actually felt quite visibly, uh, quite physically sick with the Oculus Rift on the first time I tried docking with it because you spent all your time just watching the uh, watching the ground come up towards you and it really did sort of uh, because you're obviously sat still. Um, it really did throw me off and give me uh, quite bad motion sickness until I got used to it with that one. Um, yeah, Jarvis, what's the keelback like in terms of the cockpit? Yeah, I'm just going to land, and then I will talk you through the Keelbags cockpit. Sorry, someone in the uh, Lave Radio IRC chat has also pointed out a very valid thing about some other new features that have appeared in-game. So I'm just going to land, uh, and we'll have a look at those as well. Um, oh, and I keep forgetting that the Keelback is not a Cobra and does not slow down on the landing pad the way I expect it to. <laughs> the number of times I've ploughed into that little air traffic control building, because I'm so used to my deceleration rate. There we go, we're down. Okay, uh, the... Right, let me just reset my head trigger. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what you, you do notice about the keelback cockpit. You certainly notice it from the outside, and I think if you were wearing 
an Oculus Rift, it would be even more apparent. The Pilot has loads of headroom. I mean, it's probably not doing it justice here, me looking around the cockpit. But if I go to an external view, you'll you'll see that actually the keelback has this great kind of towering glass front. Uh, there we go. You can see where you can just about see where the Pilot is in there. Um, and actually, I mean, that's a good... If that was a building, that's a good four-storey high cockpit. I mean, the, you know, the canopy above your head is is very high up. And, I, and it's a shame I haven't got Grant's Rift here anymore because I'd really like to see the inside of this cockpit kind of in 3D um, because I think it would be... I think it would be quite a sight. Um, and the other thing, in, while we're talking about cockpits, the other thing that's interesting, if we just head into the hangar... Uh, someone has pointed out that within the ship outfitting section, I'm going to see if this is still there because I did notice this the other day. We, you know, they were obviously talking about the bobbleheads and the bobbleheads making a return to the game. Well, there are options for putting decorations on your dashboard, but for some reason, there are 10 different slots for things to put on your dashboard. I love this. So uh, it's I, just capitalism at its best, isn't it? You can actually pay for 10 bobbleheads. I mean, is it all going to be bobbleheads or is it going to be a bit like The Sims 3 where you can just get all kinds of nonsense and decorate the inside? And there's a part of me that really likes it, the fact that I'm going to be able to really customise the inside of a ship. And there's a part of me that thinks, do I really need 10 different props for the inside of my oh, ship I can finally have my space truck done I can have the empty Greg's wrapper in the corner a kind of <laughs> bottle of iron brew on the other side and a lava lamp <laughs> yeah I mean if it looks anything like my actual work desk it's going to be absolutely covered in stuff mostly scripts um, but yeah 10 is a lot given that we've got three external points for paint jobs um, having 10 internal slots does seem like overkill. I was almost expecting it to have gone by today's release. I thought, surely 10 is a mistake. But... Well, you've also got to think of um, <laughs> how much that impacts on your physics part of your graphics card. <laughs> if yeah. you have 10 bobbleheads actually trying to calculate where they are in any real time. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure most of us could actually cope with that. Box of soggy tissues floating around in zero G. <laughs> Not all things to be like that. You know, like we could, for example, get a mug very nicely just sitting there, and then when you accelerate off, your coffee spills over the side. The only, the only okay, thing I'll say about that, the keel back is that cockpit looks like it's crumpled from the external view. Uh, let me have another look. Just as you, you know, from a, from a distance, if you look at the front, it just because of the way that all that framework in the between the glass makes it look like it's all wonky. Oh yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. It's got like, yeah, it's got it's got non-straight lines, yeah, which from certain angles do make it look like it's been pranged. Um, <laughs> it certainly has been battered around a bit this evening between Fozzer's gunplay antics and uh, federal um, <laughs> federal corvettes ramming into me every moment. Um, but yeah, it's uh, no, it's cool. And um, 
Uh, for, from my point of view, that looks like a, a nice kind of step up or a more secure T6, but it's not really bringing anything new to the trading party, really. I mean, I was looking for something with a bit more uh, cargo hold. I'm still desperate for that ship that turns slower than a T9. I, I really enjoy the frustration of having your joystick almost bending with pressure as you're trying to get the <laughs> damn thing to turn. And I don't know why I love it. But I really do, and it's so frustrating because it's one of the worst chips in the game. But I love flying the T9, so I'm looking for something even worse than that to fly. You want those things from Frontier Elite 2, which were basically the giant bricks that used to sit outside the space stations that weren't pilotable. It was just a big, it was just a big grey cube with an engine on the back. Didn't even have any directional thrusters. See, that's it. That's it. Perfect. That would be, that would be in my element. <laughs> And you say that, but the actual the Federal Corvette, when I was flying around in that, and again, I pimped it out with Type A everything, I found that ridiculously sluggish uh, in comparison to the Cutter and in comparison to the Anaconda. Uh, the Corvette, to me, seemed ridiculously slow. Um, speaking about the Corvette, did you guys see the, um, uh, the thing that came back from the community regarding uh, the fact that it seemed to have weaker shields, a weaker hull, uh, and weaker firepower than the uh, than the cutter, uh, worse speed. It basically, they were saying that you know, it's, it's proof that all the devs are actually, you know, secretly Imperials because the the Corvette was supposed to be the secret weapon, that the 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 ship that was better than any of the Imperial ones, and actually what what's turned out is it's is nowhere near as good as the cutter. Um, they did that wonderful. Um, you've seen the uh, the Hitler video that always goes the rounds when everybody's got anything mad or cross they want to say. They always do the captions to the uh, the Hitler bunker video. So that's been done as well um, with Sandy playing the part of Hitler, uh, which is very entertaining for those people that haven't seen it. You should go and look it up. Uh, but yes, so basically just saying the fact that the Corvette is not actually anywhere near as good as the Imperial vessel seems to be. But again. These things can be tweaked, so maybe it'll get uh, a little bit more love. Um, right. Just to say, we've, we've got anything a, else to cover. Well, we've had a screenshot from, uh, who was it? Um, Gerard Danks. He's posted a screenshot of the coffee machine in the Federal Assault Ship. Um, and it's a, little ah, bit dark. it's a little bit dark, so I'm just brightening it up in Photoshop. Um, and uh, Is it an espresso? Is it, you know, is it a quality coffee machine, or is uh, it... Uh, to be honest, it looks a bit like the um, the replicator from uh, Star Trek Next Gen. Uh, it looks it looks like you could walk up to it and say "Tea, Earl Grey, hot," and it would sort of spit out some sort of uh, thing for you. Uh, so let me just pull this uh, image in. Why did you do that? Was there anything else that uh, the chat room was saying that we we should have covered on one point five that we haven't yet? Uh, I've not supposed to think. So we'd miss things. I have just realised that I that I don't know if anyone else has been following Twitch chat, but I forgot to log into Twitch chat, so I don't know. People could have been saying all kinds of interesting things in Twitch chat, and I've completely missed it. So apologies, apologies if you've been giving us pearls of absolute gold. Uh, entirely my fault. Even with two monitors, I don't actually have enough screen space to keep up with what I'm doing here. Um, so yes, I've posted into the Twitch video. Um, uh, what was his name again? I forgot already. Gerard Danks. Someone in. Uh, lay video chat is saying that's me but i don't know if it's related to um what i'm saying um but yeah you can see you can see there there's a little sort of uh, coffee machine with a sort of glowing light above it and a, and uh, a sort of swirly symbol 
Um, I think it's quite a nice touch. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, when we get the first person mode to walk around, maybe that's what's taking the time with first person mode. Maybe it's sorting out the physics <laughs> for the coffee that's just proving to be really difficult. Um, but yeah, apologies. I've, I've over-brightened that image a little bit um, so that you can see it. Next will be a fish tank in a toilet. <laughs> I think, uh, Jarvis, I'm going to have to report you to Commander Sticks because uh, I think you're using some sort of uh, exploits here because whilst you've been distracted with that coffee machine, I've actually been shooting the crap out of you in an Imperial Cutter. Oh, really? Because I'm docked to Lave Station. So I don't know who yeah, you're killing, say, but it's not me. Your shields haven't... Uh, no, it says Commander Elias Thane. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, your shields aren't going anywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm a notorious hacksaw kid. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can be in two places at the same time. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. <laughs> no, I'm landed, you're not hurting okay. me. So either the station has disappeared and you're trying to shoot through its invisible walls, uh, or possibly you've got a ghost, a ghost me. I think it might just be a ghost you. <laughs> I don't think we've got anything else left to, to cover off, so let's do a quick shout-out to those people who've been lovely enough to join us outside Lave Station in Beta. Um, I'll check them off. If uh, if anybody finds any names that I haven't managed to make, uh, make sure you tell me about it. But we've got Commander Icefire, Commander Jay Whitehouse, Commander Nexus Reject, Commander Upper Bottom, Commander Harry the Bastard, Commander Basil de Brit. <laughs> The Dookie, Commander Woo Yay, uh, Commander Azeron. Uh, anybody else that I've missed out there? Just have a quick double check. I think oh, that's it. There are a few I vaguely remember I saying. Think that's, I think that's did it, you, yeah. Did you see Commander Harry the Bastard? <laughs> he did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, don't let any name through now. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even checking anymore. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Okay, well, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then, of course, you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter, and you, you can join us in our Skype chat channel by adding Fozzer101 to your Skype contacts. You can join our TeamSpeak server at laveradio.teamspeak3.com. How many times have I done this? Uh, and, of course, we record this show live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 UK time. Stream out on twitch.tv forward slash laveradio and also at laveradio.com forward slash live. Thanks to again to all those people that have joined us in-game and thank you to Jarvis, to Ben and to Grant. Until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
No worries, guys. Hold the fort for two seconds. I'll be right back.